From Chag de Gumpa Riggs and Lane, this is Listen, Contemplate, Meditate, a podcast featuring a range of teachings from the Buddhist tradition presented by Lamas of Chag de Gumpa Foundation. Our website is chagdugumpa.org. The idea of meditation practice is not just to meditate, but it's to know your mind. And using these uh, points, or this in, in Dharma, in Buddhism, uh, like in other non-Buddhist meditation systems, there's many different uh, objects that we can use to train our mind to be undistracted. Uh, but uh, the point is to begin to notice how our mind, our present mind, uh, is. If we don't know the condition of our present mind, but yet are always focused on some other kind of mind, like a peaceful mind, or or even a, a more compassionate mind, or, or even an enlightened mind, if we're always focused on that, then we're not working with who we are. And who we are, is, or our present mind, is the basis of our experience. And uh, from a Buddhist point of view, if I can say, uh, a spiritual path means simply working with the basis of your experience, which is your mind. And so the first thing in, in a meditation of this, of this uh, type, we begin to expose ourselves to the fact that we have a mind, because we realize that the longer we... M- practice meditating, uh, we become less and less able to meditate because we're more and more distracted. You know, anyone can, anyone can, at least a person, can you know, count to three before they express their rage, you know, as a method. It's an old, old-fashioned, you know, count to ten before you say something. Uh, but to keep going. And the point is to be able to uh, notice your thoughts. And so the first way to notice thoughts is is to notice that you're distracted from what you kind of agreed with yourself to only pay attention to, like your posture or your breathing. That was the deal. You kind of make a, a contract with yourself. Okay, I'm going to pay attention to my breath for so many minutes. Or even count. It's just another way. But just to that. And then you notice after a certain number, after a certain time period, you realize that you haven't been doing that for a certain length of time, an unknown chunk of time. And so to notice what it was that distracted you is important. 
and then to uh, look at it as a thought and by looking at it as simply being a thought or a mental event it disappears and then you're left with nothing and then you have to remember to go back to your breathing and then you travel back to know with your awareness and land on your breathing again. <clears throat> and sometimes it's like, uh, you know, these uh, two, two similar ends of, of a magnet, you know, the two ends of a magnet where it, you push together and it, and it wants to, and it pushes apart. I don't know if people play with magnets anymore. Now everything is... You know, but that feeling is the tension of that of not making contact. Uh, we can notice that in meditation that our mind wants to say associate or mingle with our breathing process with some awareness, but yet it's res it, it's it's going back. It's it's avoiding almost. Uh, so working with that is practicing. It's all practice. It's not succeeding. You know, it's not like hitting one home run and then that's it. You know, you've 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 succeeded at baseball. You know, but it's you know training, striking out or whatever, you know, and training. Practicing. A game's a small part of it, isn't it? And so practicing meditation means working with the, the basis of your experience, not, not avoiding it. Because actually the basis of our experience, all the thoughts and emotions and so forth, is, is, uh, can be a, a, rich, a rich source of of our transformation, of becoming a better person, a more compassionate person. <clears throat> Simply through knowing, knowing the nature of our thoughts. And so in this, in that, in this particular kind of meditation, there, there will be, if you if you persist, if you're disciplined and uh, persistent at it, uh, doing short periods often, that you'll begin to notice thoughts as discrete events that either do or don't distract you. Sometimes something is so compelling that, and you're so familiar with it, like a, some some problem you're having or some problem somebody else is having or some fear that you have or some uh, some uh, anxiety expectation you have that that there's just no way that you can uh, that your practice can outweigh the intensity of a distraction 
And so there is a way to, uh, you may notice if you practice in these short, simple uh, time periods, that you develop a kind of a skill at dropping thoughts and coming back to your object, your breath, say, or just your posture. Sometimes you just get so uh, distracted that you're finished with your distraction, but you have no idea what to do. You're just like a drone uh, without a control. Uh, it's just hovering. So then, oh, right, I was meditating. I should remember that. And then you come back. So the, what you're doing is you're strength, uh, strengthening, you're uh, training certain aspects of your mind that if you train them, they get more. If you don't train them, they get less. And those aspects are, first of all, one-pointedness, being one-pointed, which is that idea of paying attention. And not just paying attention until you pay attention to something else, and then pay attention to something else, but paying attention to one thing as a counterbalance to always being paying attention to many things, one thing after another. So you want to counterbalance that by paying attention to one thing and then extending it to the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. Then, so that one-pointedness, you're training in that. And then the second thing is your uh, awareness. Call it awareness. Meaning that you're aware, you're noticing that you're distracted by a thought or by a pain in your posture or just a, an emotion that has no, uh, no other content. It's, it's no, there's no uh, picture to go along with it. It's just, just a, a bad feeling or a good feeling. Maybe bliss or maybe uh, terror, fear, without any sort of frame of reference that you've found. But there's an awareness of that. If you're too one-pointed, then awareness, you won't be cultivating awareness. It's almost to say we need some distractions so that our awareness will become aware of them. That's a sort of a spatial quality rather than a contracted, one-pointed quality. It's that spacious knowing. And then you're able to extract yourself, let it drop. Then what? Then comes what's called mindfulness in this context. Mindfulness means, mindfulness is associated with uh, memory. It means remembering. Oh, remembering that you were practicing this 
meditation of paying attention to one thing. Because you can drop a thought, and you go, oh wow, I dropped that thought. And then you're just out there. An indeterminate, in an indeterminate, indeterminate state, which probably lacks clarity, because there's uh, an absence of that knowing quality. And so then, remember, know that you had something. You have something to do. You come back. So there's these three. Uh, three things that actually you're training in. One-pointedness, awareness, and mindfulness. And these, in the beginning, for, the, for beginners, then we need to practice mostly because one-pointedness to counterbalance our, just our normal frenetic popcorn mind. But, uh, that we're always distracted, going from one thing to the next. Like a, it's called a monkey mind. It's like a monkey. The image is a monkey in a box that has five holes in it, window, five windows in it, and the monkey's just going from one one window to the next, you know. <laughs> You know, and that's where I sight, sound, taste, feeling, you know, smell, all our sense, our senses are just bouncing from, you know, looking, you know, from one to another. And the whole, each time making judgments. Oh, good, bad, bright, dark, sweet, bitter, da, 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 you know, tall, short. All these things, every time, and then boom, we got going constantly. So to bring that, to pacify, you know, to, to pacify that, we train in one-pointedness. But there is more, you know, because even animals are very one, can be very one-pointed. Some animals can be very one-pointed, you know, predators. In the Buddhist context, our goal is not one-pointedness. And our goal is not the sort of absence of distractions that one-pointedness gives rise to, or that, you know, the absence of distraction depends on one-pointedness. So there's a lot of, of course, there's, you know, this meditation that strives for peace and, and uh, stillness and so forth, but, but uh, that's not the, the purpose of, of Buddhist meditation. Buddhist meditation is to, like I said, is to know what's going on. The goal is, I should have to make it clear that our our goal is not to become fixated on or attached to a peaceful state of mind. Uh, But that has a, there's a benefit. That's that's a a side, what do you say, a side benefit. 
That just comes in the natural course of things, perhaps, but it's not something to strive for. Uh, the point is to counterbalance this this uh, monkey mind through pacifying it so that you can begin to notice other aspects of your mind. Particularly, as you might notice first, the first thing you know, we have this aspect of our mind that when we try to sit still, we have an urge to move. That's one of the first indications that you have a mind, because it begins in the mind. You might think there might be something crawling on your neck, you know, a spider or something, or, a, you know, just you have a little, a little pore feeling of a, something in your follicle, hair follicle, you know, and, you know, you have an urge to scratch it or, you know, to do, to do something, to run away, to eliminate it. And then you're very one-pointed and then you notice that and you can go, oh, no, it's, it, it doesn't, you know, you, you know, you play with it, play with you, you play a game with yourself about it. Like, is it there or not? And you, well, it's there for sure. It's there. I really want to scratch it, but that would, you know, then you know, I'd just be giving into it, and I'm tougher than that. And and then, but maybe it's an ant. And so, how do you get rid of an ant? It's so small. If I go to scratch it, and I'll squash the ant. But it maybe maybe it's not an ant. Maybe it's a spider. Then it, if I go and try and get rid of it or move my neck, it might bite me. And it could be a, what do you call it, you know, one of these, uh, a black widow or a, a hermit thing, whatever, you know, one of these really bad ants. And then, then, wow, that'll be, that won't be good for my, you know. So there's, you know, that's that whole process, you know. And then it can even go like, oh, then I'll have to get taken to the doctor's. And then, like, oh, we have really bad medical care. We're, we're in a, I live in an underserved community. And, <laughs> and then, oh, man, then I have to, you know, invoke the, the system, and they take me to Reading, and then some special thing, and, like, it's all this, you know, multinational corporations and the pharmaceutical companies and how they're ripping us off, and they're going to give me medicine, it's going to be overpriced, and blah, 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 and, you know, the politics, you know. That's, that is what's called normal mind, you know. Uh, and it's, in Buddhism, it's called the endless chain of delusion. There's a name for it. It's called the endless chain of delusion, uh, where things are noticed, but that they had a pre they depended on something else before it. Things don't just, uh, uh, things always arise based on something else. Things don't arise on their own, we could say. One of the principles of, of, Buddhist, of, the, of Buddhism, of, of Buddha Dharma, is everything is interdependent. Uh, so uh, meditation then is an activity. I think we should think of meditation as an activity. 
And this one-pointedness allows you to notice things so that you can notice that they are like the way you talk to yourself in meditation practice about a distraction is you tell yourself that you're having that this is a thought. You have a feeling of, of uh, you have a uh, what's an itch? The itch is doing. What is the thing that you itch? Uh, no, that's doing it. What are you scratching? What is the thing you're scratching? It's a sensation. Uh, okay, sensation. Yeah, you have a sensation, and then you, that. Uh, oh, now I forgot my train of thought, <laughs> my chain of delusion. I forgot. Um, Okay, to go back to this one-pointedness, it'll come. The problem is, and, and uh, just meditating for peace or for this one-pointedness is a problem because uh, uh, just like you, be, you can become a, a, and there's an expression now in, in, the, in the Buddhist or meditation circles, you become a, what is it called? A, Basically, you know how they, there's people, and I know people, that uh, teach meditation. They teach meditation in corporations. They teach meditation to the military. And uh, the people that are really good at this uh, at one-pointed meditation are like the sharpshooters. So that even your sort of moral compass is a mere is something not to be uh, distracted by. Just like a predator, not like a predator, but a predator is just, it's just instinct and one-pointedness. And instinct is the, how do we say, instinct is the enemy of, of dharma. And dharma is the enemy of instinct to use that language we could say antidote you know? instinct neutralizes or antidotes on dharma dharma practice just like if you have a, a an, in, something arises you have a urge to you know some uh, you notice the other day a particular shirt that you were attracted to and then you're meditating and then that shirt keeps coming up and up and up and it might come up so much that you you're one pointed however one pointed you were say on your breathing now that one pointedness shifts to the shirt uh but the one-pointedness on your breathing kept you in your place. The one-pointedness on your shirt, you may start having an urge to stand up and go to get that shirt right in the middle of meditation. You think, oh, that shirt, how many were there? Well, there were only two. This is a weekend coming up. Here is Sunday, midday, Sunday. So by Monday morning, that both those shirts may be gone. 
and you have the urge to stand up, even your muscles start to go, and you realize, oh my gosh, what am I doing? You know? So this awareness, this when you as you practice, and some of you I know are, are you know have, 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 are tra practicing. So I'm saying, when you're practicing and your effort is put on being one-pointed and really being tired of being distracted, and you want to just train in being one-pointed, you know, uh, that you uh, begin to. Uh, you, be, you should begin to lower your percentage of effort at being one-pointed and increase your awareness, sort of the, the kind of the spatial quality of your mind's ability to know. In the beginning, maybe we're putting uh, you know, a 90% Let's say, um, so I guess maybe 85 percent. You, you can't. It's not like a pie you can cut. But 85 percent of your effort is being one pointed. Then you leave back 15 percent to notice whether or not you are one pointed. Because if you just all oh, 100 percent one pointed, oh, I've got to not be distracted. I've got to be undistracted and just totally focus on it. Then you'll have a distraction. And because you're much more used to your distractions than you are of, say, following your breath, which is if you're a beginner, then you, you know, you're not used to doing something. It's not going to be as compelling as this shirt you've been thinking about for a long time. And so that will come up again, and then that one point of this will shift, and you won't know it. You notice that when you're distracted, in retrospect, you notice that you can't even remember when you began to get distracted by something because it was so much like your life. It was just your life, and your life is your just, you know, it's what you think about all the time is your life. So then you start meditating. And then you become distracted by something that brings you back to your life, how you normally are. And you didn't have the awareness to know when that flicker of interest in that object increased to the point where you no longer were aware of your designated meditation object. So you need to not try 100% to be undistracted, but to leave that sp some spatial knowing. It's not just spacing out, like the background space of your experience, but there's a knowing, like it's, it's a vibrant, vibrant. It's dynamic. It has the ability to know. And so pay attention to your effort at one-pointedness, okay? Uh, sometimes it's taught where you can even, uh, that that can be the conversation you have with yourself as you practice. You know, we respond very well to uh, being praised 
and and uh, judged and criticized. So when you're able to, when you're on, when you're say watching your breath, and you feel that you're very vulnerable to being distracted because you know of your mood or something, you know. Because uh, sometimes we say, we can say, oh, I'm not in the mood to meditate. I'm really distracted by this thing, you know. But discipline uh, is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. Even Buddhist, you know, monks and all the big high disciplines and so forth, it's all just a means to an end. The end is awakened. So, but for meditation, discipline is very important because we just can't uh, do it when we feel like it. Uh, uh, there's uh, you know, tens of thousands of, of people have have done it when they feel like it, and and because uh, I don't know really what's going on out there beyond my own small world, but uh, discipline has uh, always been a very important component in in uh, practicing meditation. I should qualify that by discipline is an important component in becoming proficient in anything. But you can even uh, talk to yourself. Like, oh, this is the way you practice. Just stay on that. That's right. Oh, don't. Okay, now one more second. Now you're beginning to get loose and distracted like that. Come back. Stay, 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 stay. Then, okay, I'm going to keep quiet for a minute. So you're on your own. Then no no sort of uh, meditation manager, you know, no like, uh, like your weight trainer, you know, no, no, uh, no exercise trainer on your shoulder, but uh, say, okay, now you go. I see, you too, too loose. Now you're too loose, you know, tighten up, loosen, tighten, loosen. Meditation is that process, exactly, of tightening, then too tight, okay, loosen, okay, loosen, oh, too loose. A tightening is emphasizing one-pointedness. A loosening is emphasizing awareness. And practicing to develop both those qualities is to work with what's loose and what's tight and know the difference. When you get too easily distracted, then you're too loose. Then focus down. And too tight, begin to loosen up. And how and you develop a, a widening range of being one pointed and aware. In fact, as a as a uh, the eventuality of all of that is is a hundred percent awareness. There's nothing even to be one pointedly. Uh, attentive to. Everything is within the scope of awareness and you're never distracted. But in the beginning, first is one-pointedness, then awareness and mindfulness. Learning how to 
recognize thoughts, learning how to uh, free yourself to liberate thoughts, and then how to return back to a designated project of meditation point. And that process, that's the practice, not becoming the most one-pointed person in the world, but to work with that system of counterbalancing the monkey mind and then noticing when it continues to uh, uh, say express its habit, habit, we have a habit. And sometimes the monkey gets exhausted bouncing around from window to window and just decides to collapse. <laughs> you know. And so this also is to be avoided. That's not the end of samsara because you're suddenly just in, uh, you know, you're just blanking out. And we might think, wow, I'm really being undistracted. You know? <laughs> So check, well, is there a quality of, of awareness and clarity and knowing? Is there a lucidity? You know, am I lucid? Is this a lucid experience? So... The whole, uh, in Buddhism, the whole point is that our nature is uh, pure. Our nature is the inseparability of wisdom and compassion. Uh, and it's not something that, even though from the point of view of a path, a path always talks about a goal. You know, that's the purpose of a path. Why would you even have a path if, if you didn't, weren't going to use the idea of I'm here and my goal is there and I need to have a path to get to it. But that language is the language of the path, that there's a goal. Because the goal can be so-called arrived at at any point on the path. It's not that the path ends with the goal. But when you reach the goal, that's when the path ends. You think about that. Uh, it's like, uh, oh, never mind. Um, so this, uh, what's called in Buddha nature, um, in Buddhism, we call it Buddha nature, as uh, all beings are permeated by this uh, pure wisdom and compassion, inseparability, nature, all beings, smallest, greatest, worst, so they have the same nature. If the, anyone, that any, anyone that has a mind, then that's the nature of that mind, and that's their potential. But presently it is clouded, it's obscured by attachment, uh, aversion, and uh, ignorance. 
And so the path, a spiritual path, is one that has the ability to remove those three fundamental obscurations, desire, anger, and stupidity or ignorance. And all of their family members, jealousy, envy, pride, doubt, all of it. But they all have the root. You can track the root of them as all based on these three primary sources of obscurations, desire, anger, and stupidity. The purpose of meditation is to to be able to recognize and see the nature of desire, anger, and stupidity in the immediacy of its rising in your mind. As we become used to familiar with being able to see the nature of what arises, regardless of whether we consider it a poison or whether it's desire, anger, or ignorance, or any of them, even the pride of being able to meditate. You know, when you can recognize that and see the nature of that arising, that antidotes the habit of that very obscuration from arising. And what's left is our pure Buddha nature without any obscurations. And it's experienced, uh, it's known, uh, it's self-knowing. There's no, there's not, there's, there's no meditator who knows the nature. The meditator is the path, the feeling of meditating, the feeling that there's a meditator who is meditating is part of the path. In the Dharma teachings, one of the characteristics or one of the defining hallmarks of Buddhism, one of them is that the uh, says that the says uh, the goal is wishless means uh, that the goal is already present. Says so enlightenment. If we want to use the term enlightenment. This is, enlightenment is not something newly introduced. So our ability to know has a source, that that ability to know objects has a source in the very nature of our mind, in the fact that, or in the, uh, I say fact meaning Buddha proved, that the fact was that our mind is wisdom and compassion inseparable. So that wisdom quality is a non-dual wisdom. It's not the, the wisdom that comes from 
understanding some something other than itself like i understand some other thing now i have a new understanding it's not part of that process but it's not separate from our non-dualistic nature maybe this too too something more to 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 study is uh, buddhism is not dogmatic but there is doctrine there is teachings as important to have some some sense of teachings they say just meditating without without uh, learning is like uh, rock climbing without hands and learning without meditating is like throwing a, a a fisher like a fisherman throwing a net in a dry river a dry riverbed uh, so we need both no we need to uh, learn some things and then to practice and meditate uh, and it is important to have some sense of the purpose of meditating our purpose on meditate for meditating should and uh, can include or should include at least according to the our doctrine of buddhism is some sense of the the problematic nature of our present state of mind and on the other hand an appreciation of the potential of mind being discovered as having qualities in and of itself that are free of problems free of the suffering any questions or comments i think we'll, i realize we've gone over a little bit but uh, i'd like to, if you have any questions i'd be happy to uh, answer them What percentage of discipline? <laughs> what? What percentage is discipline? Uh, well, uh, percentage of discipline depends on what happens when you're not disciplined. I mean, uh, from a practical point of view, uh, I don't have a, I thought that would I thought that was the way I would skirt <laughs> a direct answer. Uh, I can't answer what percentage. I mean, it should be a hundred percent. Well, you know, it should be a hundred percent discipline. You know, but discipline is not everything. So you can have many hundreds of percents. Uh, discipline is when you, I guess, when you when you realize the value of something. And you know how to achieve something, and then you don't do it. Mm-hmm. Then you need discipline. Some people uh, seem to be more disciplined than others, but definitely discipline is is how you change your mind. Because I'd say. 
our our mind is so familiar to us that we don't even know well we don't even know we have one basically you know and i could say okay we're going to meditate now and let's just sit for an hour and do nothing let's do that you know and after about 3 minutes of an hour you'll discover you have a mind and after 10 minutes you'll your mind will be under a lot of pressure uh, you know and it will be applying lots of pressure on your body you know to like stand up and and walk out because it's mind just in its raw form as it is right now by the way you know we're distracted from our mind because we're seeing and talking and listening and we're doing all this but underneath uh, it's like a, like in the dharma they say oklong there's, there's all this uh, it's like the water that that flows in a grassy swampy place you know with those cattails and all the the stalky grasses coming up and you you think you can walk in it and then suddenly you're in like 10 inches of water. You, know? you can't see it moving, but it's moving. And so to appreciate that, and also to appreciate that anywhere, anywhere that mind moves is creating uh, action, is creating karma. And just because we're not aware of the actions, the under... Like, maybe I don't... I don't know about psychology so much, but maybe something to do with like subconscious, you know. Uh, anything that's happening, at least in Buddhist terms, our subconscious action is still exerting a force on our conscious action, and it is reinforcing and increasing the karmic effect of its own action in its own world, the subconscious. So meditation is a, is a, a through one-pointedness, say, you begin to be exposed to parts of your mind that you have been ignoring. And it takes discipline to do that because it's not, uh, you know, usually we, what is it called? You know, this like uh, video games. You know, it's 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 we're we're neurologically patterned uh, for uh, seeking rewards. It's seeking and then getting rewards, even little imaginary gold coins. You know, and like it's desperate, desperate, desperate to acquire these things. You know, uh, even though there's no no correspondence in 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 uh, your uh, everyday life to it completely imaginary but our mind is set up for that it's a it's a demand uh, so meditation there's it's 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 it's, it's even call, you know like don't even expect a reward have no expectations you know we're not used to that we're not used to do putting effort into something that has uh, no immediate gratification. That's why we many people they sell uh, Buddhist meditation 
and they don't even call it Buddhist meditation. They just call it you know, peace and things like you know uh, meditating to find you know clarity, become better at negotiating skills with the with the clarity you get from doing this uh, calming meditation and things like that. You know, uh, but uh, here we're talking about first seeing the undercurrent thoughts, you know, releasing the, the obvious thoughts, releasing the obvious urges, you know, like, okay, I have the discipline of my posture that will prevent me from getting up and running to the store before that shirt disappears from the shelf. You sort of, that's discipline working. You know. And sometimes that discipline is know, is enhanced or is uh, reinforced by, by your own feeling of like, well, God, I'd be so embarrassed to get up and leave the meditation group. You know, somebody might ask me why I left and I, had to, I would have to tell them that I couldn't, I couldn't avoid thinking of this shirt I wanted to buy, so I went and bought it quick. <laughs> or, or did a thing, uh, ordering it online, uh, uh, you know, under your zafu, <laughs> you know, click. <laughs> you know? So those kind of superficial things, you know, because uh, we're complicated. Humans are complicated. Uh, so those superficial aspects, we learn to see, and if we just look at them, they disappear. And try that, you know. I mean, just l stare at at a at a sensation or a thought. If it's an emotion, then it's a little difficult because there's a it's a stronger thing. Emotions are strong, you know. You think of somebody, and immediately you have hatred, or you think of somebody, and immediately you have desire. You know? So it's possible, unless you're addicted to. That is to say, unless you're very used to always thinking of these people and liking and hating them. But if you can extract yourself from, from the object and redirect your attention to the emotion that it evoked, then that emotion will lose its basis. It'll lose its ground. The ground of that emotion was the object. So if you can turn it on itself by extracting yourself, separating yourself from the object, then sort of your one-pointedness is directed towards the emotion, then you'll see that without that object, that emotion doesn't have any ground and it will collapse. And if you continue in this kind of practice of, we could say collapse, we could say that that emotion has become liberated. You know, it's another term, terminology, but we're liberating thoughts, liberating urges, liberating emotions. Then uh, at a certain point, then that very same ability to know is known becomes known. This is the kind of the goal of meditation. And that is in harmony with, or that is, uh, yeah, that's in harmony with, or that is 
because of our nature. Our nature is a knowing nature, and it also is a compassionate nature. And it's when we are obscured by anger and desire and stupidity, then we have lost, then we're, uh, basically we've, we've uh, when we become dominated by anger and desire, we've lost our sort of humanity. And the more clarity, the more we can liberate our emotions, then the clarity that comes in the wake of that liberation is compassionate. So appreciating all those things gives us discipline. We want to achieve that. So there has to be a reason. Uh, we just can't order ourselves around, you know, but we have to have a good reason. And so understanding the benefits of practicing and understanding the disadvantages of not practicing that will inform, or that will give us discipline. And we use that same method of benefits and disadvantages all the time. You know, when we're checking out package ingredients, you know, we're, we're studying the advantages of, of, of this and, and on everything. So we have that ability. But it is taught that uh, without discipline, then the path disappears. Yeah. This is all about the path. Because mm -hmm. we can say, oh, I have Buddha nature. You know. But just uh, having that concept, uh, it's important to have that idea uh, as the background, the reason why you engage in the path. That's why learning about you know the doctrine, learning the teachings of of what is enlightened mind, what is the nature of mind, what is the essence of mind, what what the value is it, what what's the point of it, what is it doing, what is it, and it's important to know that because that's the back that's the background, the backstory as to why you would enter into the path. And it's the path that creates the link between the background story, the view, and the result. Okay. Now, discipline has to match your lifestyle also. You know, has to match your lifestyle. You have to decide, okay, I can do... And again, if there's 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 more there's other virtue besides meditating. Meditating is considered a virtue, but there's other virtue to do also. But uh, meditation is is a very quick quick path. But uh, uh, so you have to you you say okay, I can do I can if I really want to meditate, then I can meditate for this long uh, at this particular time of the day. At this, in this particular location, 
in my house or wherever, you know. And so then uh, set it up so that you can do that. Not say, well, when everything else is done that I have to do, then I'll, then I'll meditate. Because you know what that, that's, uh, that's ego saying, you know, that's ego's brand of discipline. You know, try my brand of discipline. Do it really well. Do it much better later when everything else is done. You know, something's got to go. Or, you know, things are limited. There's only so many hours. There's only, you know, our bodies only last so long, you know, and so forth. So, <laughs> okay, thank you. This podcast is supported by the generosity and kindness of Chagdagumpa members and donors. If you're interested in becoming a member, making a donation, or if you want to learn more about Chagdagumpa, feel free to go to chagdugumpa.org.